It can't be the same guitar, though. I don't think it's the same guitar. Dang it. <laughs> Big fumble. Yes, Ryan, I dropped the ball. A perfect sports analogy. I'm Ryan. And I'm Steven. This is 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, modding, fixing, breaking, reviewing, playing a podcast. podcast. Hey, everyone. How's it going? We've got a topic here. Steve will read it as I pour myself Robert a glass Nolan, of this. He says, I would actually like to know your opinion on, now that you've got the Tone King Imperial, the Princetons, and have run through several budget tube amps, would you say that investing in a higher end or vintage tube amp that can be serviced uh, with easily is better or an affordable tube amp with the off chance that quality control or tonal benefits would be lacking as a result of cost. Obviously one needs to be remain financially honest. We all get that. I don't think we all do get that to be on, to be honest on financial honesty. Uh, but long-term is it better to take the chance on a Ford amp and replace it if it dies or make the investment on a more expensive amp and retain higher resale value, quality control, tonal benefits, repairability. This is complicated because there's assumptions being made here that I don't think really translate to the real world as far as like repairability and reliability. Like I've seen people with all kinds of expensive amps have their amps in and out of the shop. Mm -hmm. And then I've seen people, myself included, because over the vast majority of my life, I've had only budget gear. I've seen people with budget amps that never seem to die ever. And so I, but there's also very expensive amps, very nice amps that never seem to die ever. I think is there's a big luck of the draw sort of element to things like tubes and transformers and stuff like that and capacitors that, that can go bad. There are right. manufacturer defects, but there are parts of amps that, can just go because they're ma being made in factories. They're not, it doesn't matter if the rest of the amp is hand assembled by someone who really cares and loves it. Uh, like the, the components themselves can go. I, I don't know the science behind that, but something I've been thinking about a lot as I've got the tone King now, which is a, a $2,600 amp, $2,200. I can't remember. It's a lot of money. It is not a cheap amp. According to all of the people on Rhett Scholl's YouTube channel, it's a $3,000 amp. It's a $30,000 amp. I can't believe it. Uh, <laughs> but I've been thinking about this a lot lately. 2600 Because I've been using it in demos for guitar videos. And then I, I persisted using the Princeton's for pedal demos because it's just smart to have two amps in case I run into a stereo situation. And the Princeton's just have a really great flat sound together, which is great for pedal demos. Mm -hmm. On one side of, of this argument is one Tone King is worth the same as two Princeton's. <laughs> so I'm getting, uh, I'm getting similar audio quality working within the demos using either of them. When I'm, when I'm using the Tone King versus the two Princeton's, like I don't notice any difference in audio quality would at you, all. Would, would you, in that case, are you would would you say that they're comparable or are, are they tonally? Well, here's what I'll say: different enough that you couldn't replace one with the other. Here's what I'm going to say: in in my opinion, 
I have to run two Princetons in parallel, even in mono, mm-hmm. to get the sound that I'm happy with on the channel. Where with the Tone King, I can absolutely run it by itself. The Princetons by themselves, I should do a video on this sometime soon. Uh, the Princetons by themselves, they don't fill out the signal very well. They sound beautiful by themselves uh-huh. in a room, but when recorded with a mic, and it's probably because I just I'm not a professional at recording things. There's probably better ways to record those amps, like different mic placement, combining mics, and things like that. By themselves, they can tend to sound kind of thin and weird mm-hmm. recorded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when I do both of them in parallel, it fills it out and makes it sound huge. Where the Tone King legitimately sounds amazing all by itself one mic on it okay but i think for most people obviously the tone king is in a is in a uh amp class i think not by itself but uh i think most people would say it's a very boutique sort of like it's a take um, on a thing it's a deluxe reverb it's a deluxe reverb okay right uh is that right now i'm questioning myself i'm pretty sure it's it's a fancy version of a deluxe reverb I was going to make a point. The problem is, is that I can't Google fast enough to make my point. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I would, uh, the point I was, I was going to make is the tone King is what, um, Philip over on the 40 watt podcast would call an end game amp. Sure. It's the amp that you buy one and you never have to buy another amp again. I mean, that would be the hope. I mean, I guess you could say that for like any amp. Oh, I bought a Boss Katana. Never going to buy another amp again. But, you know, you don't. I mean, I, the, the moment the, the some, moment someone, I'm getting a Dumble, I'm just selling everything, right. including so, my house. Someone's going to say, oh, your privilege is showing. Your, but, you know, Boss Katana, I could go buy a Boss Katana tomorrow and I wouldn't have to think about it. I could just do it. Right, right. You know, a Tone King. If I, if I showed up tomorrow, if I came home. Uh, from work tomorrow and told Melissa like, Oh yeah, I bought this boss Katana, uh, with the Katana 50, you know, 220 bucks. Well, one, she'd be like, where the hell are you going to put it? It doesn't fit here. But, but from a cost perspective, she probably roll her eyes. Maybe, right. Maybe she might not care at all. She might be like, Oh, how much is it? Oh, it was just 200 bucks. Like not a big deal. You know, if I came home, I definitely have monthly bills that are yeah. Like, Much, much it's like a phone, more that, serious than Boscatana is what my phone bill is right. for four phones. Right. Um. So the Tone King, on the other hand, is like basically a rent check for yeah. for most for a lot of people. No, it's a mortgage payment or mortgage payment. You know, yeah, it's, totally. It's a that's uh it's a significant investment. It's an end like I said, it's an end game amp. Um, the Princeton I think is kind of in between the two. Yeah. Uh. I wouldn't call it a like a high end amp, but it's also not a cheap amp. Also, amps are a really interesting problem, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word. They are a problem because the vast majority of amps have very specific personalities. And if you don't connect to that personality, it doesn't matter how good or bad the amp is. And if you do connect to the personality of an amp, it doesn't matter how good or bad it is because you connect yeah. to it and it's doing exactly what you want. And it's really hard to explore a lot of amps to find the one that you legitimately connect with. I, I mean, I've been in a very 
privileged position to be able to try a bunch of amps and find amps that work really well for my recording workflow. Mm -hmm. And I have other amps that don't work well for my recording workflow, but I love playing them in my personal time. But I've had to try a lot of amps in my life to find the ones that I really do connect with. And once you connect with them, it's like, the price isn't really the issue anymore. Like I right. got the mono price on the floor down here, which is a great tube amp. It really mm -hmm. isn't. A lot of mm -hmm. people love them. I don't personally connect to it as it is for an amp that I'm going to use all the time. If it, if it sounded the way I needed an amp to sound for demos, I would use it for every video. I would yeah. not, so, not every, but I would use it for a lot of videos but it doesn't like there's something about the voicing of the speaker that isn't it's just not quite right for what i need for like say pedal demos or something like that and it has nothing to do with the price of it it really doesn't yeah. like it's it's a character thing it's a personality thing like, there's nothing about that amp that like sounds low quality have you run that amp through like the Princeton speaker or through one of the one of your cabs? I've done through a couple different cabs. I and think. does it does it sound better to you when you do that? Yeah. So yeah. you think it is specifically? I think it's mostly either speaker. the the speaker, maybe the chassis, like small box chassis. No, I honestly do think it's mostly okay. speaker. I think there's something about the speaker and the Tone King that that sounds really great by itself. And there's something about the two speakers of the Princeton's. They're slightly different model speakers, right, right. and the way they combine together in parallel just sounds really full and fat and beefy. Um, but still has that kind of like fender twang sort of going on. Okay. So, so looking, looking around, right. So you got the mono price over there. Mm -hmm. I'm not really looking, I'm going to look around. Sure. Sure. Uh, we got the acoustic 150, which I would say is a, as a highly, it's a very specific spe specialized kind of thing. I still all will always, I think in my mind, the acoustic 150 is like a, is a secret twin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it has a lot in common, like sound wise and like kind of like how it responds to your picking dynamics to yeah. a really loud twin reverb. So we got the, the Wong's OD 30, uh -huh. the rev D 20. Yeah. We have one, two Princeton's sitting before us. <laughs> uh, Harmony is that the H five H H605, I think. It's the 5 watt model. It's the, the 5 point. watt, yeah. And then we got the Imperial. Is there anything over here? There's Nothing another, else over here. Another acoustic. I've got the, the battery amp over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've uh, got the Katana. I've got the Alamo. The, the Katana. I wasn't going to count the Alamo because it's obviously right, it's right. super vintage. Uh, I've got I've, the little the uh, Templo, yeah. the little Wong's amp uh, around here. So I, so where I'm going with oh, this and I've is... Got this, I've got the Supro in, in the it, house. In the, in the house. Where I'm going with this is obviously a lot, a, lot, a lot of amps... For, and they 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 all kind of all serve different purposes. And I, I um, I'm not keeping any lamps amps that I don't like. I'll say I like all these amps. Right. But there's the ones that fit with my workflow that I use all the time. And like I'm saying, like the price isn't why. Mm -hmm. You know the the you know the 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 quality of the build. Yeah. Or the pedigree of the build isn't why I use them. It's the sound is the reason why I use them. Sure. But I think coming back to the question, like. If someone came to you and said, hey, I've got $800, mm -hmm. um, I want just an all-around amp, what, mm. sh what should I get based on what you have? Would you say like, oh, you should save a little more money and get a Princeton? 
Uh, I or, wouldn't recommend a Princeton to someone or, as an all-around you know, amp. Um, you know, because it's not an all-around right, amp. Right, right. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I guess like I'm trying to take this back to the question. Like, do you think if somebody says I've got eight hundred dollars now, and maybe in a few months I could have more money, should they save more money, or do you think that they could say yeah. I've got eight hundred bucks and they could spend? I forget how much the mono price is, but they could get the mono price or, um, you know, something like that. And there's all sorts of like various like Katana style products out there. Sure. Oh, actually, you know what? When this, when this episode airs, we'll be able, we'll, we'll be able to talk about the line six. Oh, okay. Uh, which is the catalyst the line six yeah, catalyst? I, came I was out. intentionally not talking about it because I couldn't remember what the release which is. is. It's just uh, I think four hundred and nineteen dollars or something mm-hmm. like that, which is really close. And then to actually, at, a at, fun price eight hundred bucks. The Harmony H six twenty is also in that price yeah. range. I haven't been able to try that one. one. Uh, the Supro, honestly, is a, a really good amp. I don't use it for demos because it has a very specific kind of like drive character to it, and mm-hmm, I tend to mm-hmm. like want clean amps for my demos because i'm doing pedals and stuff into them but i've been using the supro in the house if you want an amp for way less money than that i think they're like 400 right all right so maybe um like it's gotta be i need to tweet change the parameters of the way i'm phrasing this question the the hard thing here is that it is such a personal connection right to amps and there's they they have so many different personalities Mm -hmm. from the way that they're they clip their Mm -hmm. their tube clipping or their you know their drive sections if they're modeling or solid state or something like that to the voicing of the speaker to how the reverb responds to the ranges of the eqs and stuff i honestly i don't feel like i can tell someone like oh you have eight hundred dollars without any other information yeah, about you so, here's so an, that's here's what i'm amp. saying like maybe let me change the parameters of this a little we'll take the tone king out of the equation mm-hmm. uh, because like i said end game amps are their own thing sure um the amp, the world amp police come over. <laughs> the, uh, wow, this is getting weird. The you, the godfathers of YouTube, uh, Ola England, uh, Ryan Bruce. These are uh, the godfathers? M- music is Win, uh, Henning, I don't know who, Josh Scott. <laughs> if for a while there, I thought you like this was going to be not the godfathers, but uh, like the metal mafia. Um, <laughs> gear man dude. Shows his face. Right, right. Uh, they all come over here. He shows his actual face. Uh, you know, uh, Rick Beato will speak to you, but but Rhett Scholl is holding the gun to your head. <laughs> says, you have to pick one amp that you will use on your YouTube channel for the rest of your life. Oh. And it can't be the Tone King because we all agree it's the best amp. Um, which maybe it's not, but we'll say it is because, again, price point, yeah, yeah. game amp. Which of your amps do you would you, do you think could be that if you only had one amp? It can only be one, so it can't be the two princes. It can't be two princes. It can only be because it's not reasonable to say like, oh yeah, well you know if you want, wow, if you want to pick an amp that's gonna last you forever, you should buy two princes. Like that's in my, my the two princes rig is so incredibly specific that I would never recommend anyone yeah. to just do that to, to and, just do it. And if it if at any point in the future it breaks, you have to send this amp to Top Gear or whatever to get it repaired. You can't buy another one, or you have to repair it yourself. Man, this these is are a some hard, oddly specific parameters. This is a really right. hard question. <sighs> Can I swap speakers if I go with like a head? Sure. I guess. 
Even if you want the combo, you can you can swap the speaker. Okay. I might have to go with the Rev. I think if you swap the speaker, though, it can only be... If the speaker breaks, you have to replace it with the same speaker. Oh, I can't, like, try different <laughs> flavors of speakers? I mean, I don't know. I guess. I guess. We'll say you can swap speakers. We'll, we'll, it's really... We'll, we'll consider the speaker a disposable component versus, like, the circuit board... Like, okay, so the sub, I, I never experienced this, but I've read about it. The uh, early Fender Hot, uh, not Hot Rod, the early Fender 65 reissues back, I think, in the 90s, early 2000s. A lot of people claimed that, oh, they're not as good as the old one. Uh, t- talking about this, you know, should you get a vintage amp? Should you get this? Should you get that? Like um, the, was it Greg, Matt, Mike? Last name was Nolan. I do remember that. <laughs> Greg, Matt, Mike, Jerry. I don't know. The last name was Nolan. I do remember that. Uh-huh. Um, kind of was putting out there, you know, what do you what do you consider? What do you what are you not concerned is going to fail? I think it was this er, re, the sixty five reissues when they first came out. A lot of people were at least concerned that oh these are PCB, not like the old, right. you know, turret board wired. Uh, original 1965 amps where you could, they were easy to repair. You know, these ones, the PCB is going to delaminate and now your, your thing is ruined and whatever, you know, the P eventually if the PCB starts to, to corrode, like your, your amp is toast. Right. Well, I, I think if you look at like digital amps and modeling amps and stuff like that, that yeah, if they break, the chances of repairing them are much slimmer mm-hmm. than a point-to-point wired tube amp. But I also think it's a little bit silly to buy amps with, you know, repairs that might be decades out in mind. Right. If you're yeah. buying a new amp, like certainly if you're buying a vintage amp, repairs are in your new future, yeah. in your near future. The, the Acoustic 150, it's actually that mine has been in the shop a couple times, I think. Yeah. It was in the shop when I owned it because it was crackling. And then I had the uh, other one I, repaired. And then you had the other one repaired, which was all which was crackling for different reasons. I oh, think. and I had yours repaired as well. You had mine repaired again, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that one's been in the shop a couple times. And those are solid state. Yeah. And this, those are uh and those are well so the now, fun, if you if no, you just an aside, the one fifty is the head version of the later the later one thirty four which is what Pat Matheny used back in the 80s. And apparently he loved the tone so much, but his his Acoustic 134, I guess he couldn't keep it out of the shop. God, you know like, what, Steve? The, like, it, he he can't have... He, he didn't love the sound because he can't love the sound of a solid-state amp. That's like, true. It's that's not true. possible because there's no tubes, right? And yeah. tubes are where the tone comes from. All right, from. so whatever amp you pick is going to be a tube amp. Even though we're nearing a t- vacuum tube shortage that will never be resolved. Oh my gosh! No, I I think it's a really difficult question, and I think it's super hard. And I like, think it's I don't I don't think you can buy an amp again unless you're going end game. I think you're it, right. I don't think you can really buy an amp with, you know, thinking about it twenty or thirty years from now. Um, I think most amps, if in my mind. I guess if I buy an amp and in 20 or 30 years from now, techs will know which digital amps were repairable yeah. and in, well, in what ways they are repairable and when, in which ways they broke and will break. Right. In you 20 know, or 30 years, the digital amps of now won't exist anymore. I, I mean, they'll exist, but no, I don't think people are going to repair them. 
I have a feeling they will last a lot longer than people expect them to. Mm. Like I don't like there's components in tube amps that just break. That just break. No, from, no, I, from I, where? I'm sure they'll last, but I because I'm sure you know if you go looking for it, you don't mean you, you, you mean that they, there's you know the the technological obsolescence. Yeah, I, I'm saying like because they'll be replaced the, by things that are when better. Did, when did the Spider Two come out? Right, you know, mid two thousands. I'm sure if you go looking for them, you can still find plenty of Spider Twos on the on the market. I never see them on Craigslist anymore. Listen, man, though, and I think if your Spider Two breaks and you took it to a tech and you're like, "Oh man, this is my first amp. I really loved it. Can you fix it?" The tech's just gonna look at you and be like, "You're gonna pay more. You're gonna pay me more to diagnose what's wrong with that, let alone fix it, just so to what, figure out how to fix it." What 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 we've paid for repairing those acoustics is definitely more money than they were worth. Yeah. So, and what people pay for tube amp repair right now is definitely more than what was paid for those amps 30, 40, 50 years yeah, ago. Yeah, but I don't think, you think there's a digital amp that's going to... I I would, I wouldn't be... There's people like fixing Game Boys and stuff, dude. Yeah. There's but, people breathing new life. There's like, our friend Davey collects CRT monitors. I haven't heard about this. And some of them are worth thousands of dollars. I haven't heard about this. <laughs> I'm going to pretend we're not talking about this. It's like a, it's a it's a retro gaming thing where people want to have very specific CRT monitors. He didn't pay that money for them, but they're worth right, that much money. Right. Um, you know, I think you'll be we'll be surprised what is and isn't repairable in the future. Or what we might not have to repair because it doesn't break in the way that mm, things mm-hmm. used to break. Because tubes are susceptible to going bad. Big, I, I, big I, transformers that handle a lot of power are susceptible susceptible to going bad. You know, like they're they're selling, but apparently the market on acoustic control one fifty heads is it looks like it's back down again to like two hundred bucks. Killer amps. Some of them. If are, you want to really, some loud. of them are a bit more. But I'm seeing a lot that have sold. They're all on the sold listing side. Yeah. On reverb for like under they're two hundred dollars. Pain in the butt to maybe, ship. I'm maybe sure. with shipping. Like here's one that's like two thirty plus seventy five dollars shipping. If I I think if I was getting back into like gigging, and I needed to buy another one for like three hundred and fifty bucks, I would be hard to not do it. If Dinosaur Ghost started gigging. Next week again, with all the amps that I have now, with the Tone King, with the two Princetons, even without that, the Wangs, mm-hmm. which would be totally gig appropriate for Dinosaur Ghost, I would still use the acoustics. Yeah. Absolutely. Like they have a very specific sound that I love for that application, which is what I'm talking about. Like you can't just go, you can't just come up with an equation and and decide like, well, if I'm going to buy an amp that's an investment in my future and in the future, you know, avoiding repair and things like that, then this is the one to choose. No, because it's, it's all so much about sound and very specific personalities from those amplifiers that like all of that is moot. Mm -hmm. Like if there was an amp that completely perfectly fit the sounds that I needed for me to work with. And I knew it was going to be in the shop once a year. I'd still be using it. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's the other, so, you know, to piggyback onto that, you know, like you said, the acoustics have been in the shop. If dinosaur ghost, you know, somebody came out 
I don't know. The Tiki Oasis people came out and said, you know what? We really liked you guys back when you were doing it. Uh, yeah. We're going to, we want to pay you. Uh, you, we want to pay your band. Uh, we're going to start doing more of these events. We're going to do one Tiki Oasis a month. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Uh, we want to pay you. People would die. We want to pay your band, you know, the the four of you, uh, $20,000 for the whole band to do 12 shows a year. Wait, is someone going to pee on me in this scenario? <laughs> <laughs> Only after one too many Mai Tais uh, and not on purpose. Uh, and But, you know, the rule was you could only use the Acoustic 150 and you'd have to put it in the shop four times a year. Well, so no brainer. You think that's a go for like, Dude, for 20 grand? Well, no, you're only getting five grand. Because we're splitting it. Because you're splitting for it. For five grand, that I could just buy four of them. There you go. All and right, have well. them in rotation and still. But you can't. And you, still you pocket. Can't, you can't buy four of them because Rick Beato's telling Mary Spender to hold a gun to your head. Oh my gosh. They were just in a video recently, so they're in the front of my brain, okay? Steve thinks about them a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the the A tier uh, guitar YouTubers all got together, didn't they? The mafia. <laughs> I don't sound bitter, do I? <laughs> I don't mean to sound bitter. I think it's just kind of fun. I think the, it's the, I think it's I think it's fun when guitar YouTubers hang out with each other, and I'm glad they're hanging out with each other. No one, no way that I say it. You made sound, this. You, I know you was, made this weird. First, it was just me being a dumbass, and you made it weird. I made it weird. I'm sorry. I'm happy they're they're hanging out together, and I think that's great, and I think it's cool. And it doesn't matter how I say it. It sounds like I'm you being. Sound, it sounds sound like, like I'm bitter. You sound like you're about to cry. It sounds like I. I'm, it sounds like I'm trying to imply that I feel left out. I totally do not. I totally. I, you're, you sound like you're sitting here checking your email every five minutes looking for the but message are, from Rick Biano no, no, to fly to Atlanta. They are, they're, they're, they're squarely top tier channels and I, <laughs> and you're not because I'm here. That's why you're no, not. No, shut up. No. <laughs> I'll never, I'll, even if I get the kind of numbers that they have, I'll never be those types of YouTubers. Like it's. Or you either. Neither of us will ever be that that tier hey, hey, of YouTube. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm sorry. I made things weird, guys. Let's 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 put a bow on this. That there's. I don't know if we really answered the question because there's it was no really, way to answer the question. But yeah, I, I think I think the big takeaway is you just got to um, you got to play what like you said you got to play what works for you. Honestly, my advice to anyone who's shopping for amps: do what I did when I found the Princeton. Like you've got to put in the footwork. You have to go to shops. Mm -hmm. You have to try every amp that they have at the volume that you are planning on using the amp. You maybe bring your guitar, maybe bring your pedal board, but you have to try a lot of amps to find the one that feels magic to you. It might be $3,000. It might be $200. But when you find the one that you connect with, that's that's the amp that you should get. The, yeah. the price, the perceived longevity of it you know like those things are you know they're more abstract concepts as far as an amp applies to mm -hmm. you personally in your personal rig they're a very difficult thing to buy I, i'm i'll throw one further thing out talking about the acoustic and talking about other vintage amps um on this topic i almost feel like the old car principle applies here if you see an old car and it's shiny 
Maybe it means it's well taken care of. Maybe it means that it was one of the good ones. I don't know that anything you mentioned digital. I am still not. I don't know if things from the SMD era in general, guitar amp techs like are going to want to deal with that. 20 years from now. Like, like I was saying, I think there's, I, there's I, certain I, things that I think will last better than others. I think when it comes down to circuit boards like that and micro SMD stuff, uh, it's not the components that matter so much as the way it's designed. Like are, right. are important components too close to a heat sink? No. Yeah, you yeah. know, things you like know. that. Like the, the quality so, so, of the design is going to, is going to matter in the longevity yeah, so of things, things. So things like that, I think will determine the longevity. The key is just going to be, they can't ever break because I think once they break, if it's something like that, it's going to be a more difficult repair. You don't listen. We don't know if there's going to be some technology in the near future, distant future, where you take any circuit board to some service and they have a robot that scans it and scans Wikipedia, a, a, a library okay. of old diagrams, yeah. and it goes Oh, here, here is the diagram for this. I will test every component to find the error. I have found the error. I have replaced a component. And it's a $5 service that you you send boards out to have done. It's like mm -hmm. plucking for circuits. Sure. What I guess what I'm thinking more along the lines of is like, again, I assume they still exist. I haven't been in this part of town in a while. Freedom Guitar. You go into Freedom Guitar. Yeah. Uh, they got a bunch of vintage stuff in there. You plug in. You find something that looks like it's on the edge of failure, but it's 40 years old. At this point, it's 50, you know, it's 50, 60 years old. Um, looks like it's on the edge of failure, but it sounds great. The pots are clean, sound clean, no crackles, whatever. I think that's what you go for. If you're, if you're, if that's a legitimate concern for you, because something from that era, it's the, still working and it can be yeah, fixed. And to it's going to be serviceable. Working. People yeah. are going to, people are going to know, you know, if you're going out and buying a silver face fender from the seventies, if you're buying a black face fender from the or what they call black panel now from the from Fender, um, you know you're buying an old Marshall, whatever. People are going to know how to service those. Even these acoustics, I don't think there's really been any issue getting them worked on because they're fairly straightforward. They're old, wide old, open in there, solid state yeah. circuits. Um, so competent techs can work on them. And both of these amps, good grief! They're uh, when we bought when I bought this one was probably 15 years ago, 16, maybe more. Because mm -hmm. I had that amp not when YFB started, but shortly thereafter. Between you and me, we have abused that amp in yeah. ways it was never meant to be abused. And these two acoustics, well, the one over here, they're the same age. They're, I think they're right. the first generation. That one has reverb, so that one does Those doesn't. amps are over 50 years old. Wow. <laughs> That's insane. And we used them to play friggin' pop, punk, uh, friggin' punk rock. Like, you used it as a bass amp. We used yeah. it as a PA. I used it for my surf, surf band, band where yeah. I had it turned up way too loud. And you can buy a 50 year old amp for 250 bucks. It's solid state, but it's the solids. I'm, I'm serious with you guys right now. It's the solid state of Kings. Like it's good sounding yeah. solid state. It's the solid state that Albert King chose. Yeah. And Albert King had the tone that Stevie Ray Vaughan wanted. Oh, you're gonna get some. You're gonna get some internet hate for that one. I'm just saying. I'm Next, just you're saying. gonna say that Sister Rosetta Tharp invented rock and roll music. <laughs> How dare you? It was definitely Elvis. 
Yeah. Elvis invented it by, you know, hearing black people play it. And that's when he discovered rock and roll. <laughs> Didn't we know someone? We, one of us had a parent. Was it your dad that, that said that, that rap was invented by Blondie? No, it was someone. I don't it, think so. It was someone's dad in our friend group. He's like, the first time I heard rap, it was in that Blondie song. That's where rap came from. No, I, I don't, I don't, I don't even know if my, I can't imagine my dad saying anything about Blondie. Ever. That's a good point. <laughs> That's a good point. All right, let's move on. Yeah, this is a part of the show where uh, we thank the people who support the show. So if you're part thank of our you. Patreon, Patreon.com/slash60CycleHumcast. Uh, thank you. Uh, if you want to support us, head on over there where for as little as a dollar a month, uh, you can put a little cash into the production of the show and into hopefully soon buying a house for me. <laughs> wow. If you guys want to help Steve buy a house, sign we're up for gonna, Patreon. We're going to need a lot more Patreon. If every single person who listens to this and watches this, Signed up for Patreon at the $100 level. <laughs> I could buy a house. Uh, you would be, you would I could, be buy, that I could buy half of a house. Let's focus on a down payment, Steve. Uh, Not just buying the thing outright. No, um, but, but seriously, thank you everyone who uh, supports the show. It, yeah. it all does count. It pays it for pays lights. For, it pays for this. Cameras. It pays for shipping. It pays for the online services that we have to pay for to make this all work. It pays for it pays for food and drink for yeah. us. It covers oh, dinners on it for I, us I on did, podcasting nights. I did uh final, covers travel. I did finally send out a swag pack and hopefully yeah. I don't wait another eight months until I send out the next one. Once a year, Steve I've is got, sending out I've, swag. I've got a printing like I, I have a better way of printing now. Okay. So hopefully I can stay on top of it. I need to come up with some more swag for you. It sounds like you you're do, running low. You do. Well, I've, I'm all caught up. So what do you guys think? Stickers, magnets, pins, patches. We have stickers. What should we do? We have magnets for the inner circle. We have pins for the we inner circle. We can always do more stickers. I do need more. I do need more stickers anyway. I have some over um, there. Um, those are those are little. I know, I know. Aren't I thought those ones were for the? Uh, yeah, we need to send out. We need for to re- the Azor people. We need to return the letters that had money in them. I yeah. still need to do that. And I was going to throw stickers in this. All right, so yeah, thanks to all the patrons. Sorry this this segment went long. It only went three minutes, but whatever. No, that's fine. Yeah. Do we want to? Let's do a sponsor. We're halfway. You want to do a sponsor? Let's do a sponsor. What sponsor do you want to do, Ryan? Steve, what are you doing with your hands? I'm, I'm massaging them. I got to keep them loose. I got to get that tone out of my fingers. I gotta... Tone doesn't cover your fingers, you dumbass. <laughs> what? What? That's what it said on the internet. Tone is in the fingers. Where the hell else would it tone come from? Tone comes from demonic machines. I know uh, I skipped over part of the script there, but this is what I remember. Tone comes from demonic machines, Steve. Right here in my hand. Do you know what this is? It's a, it's a $50 fuzz. It's a $50 fuzz. This is where tone comes from. Okay. Fine. Silly, ridiculous, nonsense, superstition out of your head, Steve. Tone doesn't come from your fingers. Huge thanks to Demonic Machines for sponsoring this podcast. Head on over to demonicmachines.com. And they provided us with that fun little script. They came up with a skit for us to do. I like that. I know. You know, it feels better the second time. Yeah. By the, if we do, if if they have us do this some more, it's going to get better and better. I know it. All right. (laughs) 
we're, we're going to go full thespian on this podcast. We're going to get our lines down. We're going to be actors. This ad. I'm going to hang out with Robert Picardo. That's how good of an actor I'm going to be turn into. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I know who freaking Robert Picardo is. He can like phase through walls. <laughs> He'll like be in one part of the, he'll be in like one scene of the show and then he disappears and he shows up in another scene of the show. He can go anywhere as long as it's the freaking med bay or the holodeck. But then he gets the arm thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's easier to write around that. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about the doctor from Voyager. He like gets inside of Seven of Nine's brain and basically like, like, Oh, and they never really talk about it again. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're supposed to be okay with it. <laughs> all right, let's do an ad. This ad was sent by Tyler Estes. Is there any ad copy for this or is this just that's a bunch a, of pictures? That's a good question. Vintage circa 1953 Melita custom built electric guitar scrolls, Diarmin, Gretsch and Grovers. I don't know where the ad copy went. I bet I definitely screen grabbed it. Weird. What kind of pickup is that? So, uh, I'll try to say everything I remember about this. So, this builder, mm-hmm. uh, what is it, Maliki or Malita. I, Malita? Malita. I looked them up. The thing that they're known for mm-hmm. is the bridge design. And apparently, this was a guitar that that builder used for prototyping and experimenting with parts and stuff like that. So this has uh, what's it called? It has, what are they, what's the word they use on antiques roadshow? It's a P um, word. Damn. I provenance. Can't. Provenance. This has provenance, provenance as being important to people who care about that bridge hardware and care about the origins of that bridge hardware. This is a bridge that's commonly used uh, on Gretches and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Like, mm-hmm. is, you know, people who are Gretsch crazy will know all about these bridges. And apparently this one is special because it has a mute attached to it. And the vast majority of them do not have a mute attached. Oh, yeah, there's a mute. This has a honer pickup in it and some kind of... Um, like a D-Armand or... Uh, yeah, I, I forgot Dynatronic. what those are called. D- Dynasonic? Dynasonic. Dyma- Dynasonic. Dinosaur Jr.? Dinosonic. Dinosonic. <laughs> Philharmonic. Uh, it's got a Philharmonic pickup in it. Uh, it's really unique looking. I like how the freaking trapeze looks like pitch pipes. Yeah, I forget what that style of trapeze is called, but the you know the idea, I think, is that you are getting individual resonance on each uh, trapeze bar there. This is a fun-looking guitar. It's built really unique. It's, They're asking five grand. Is it bad that I don't think that that's that bad? This guitar is from the fifties. Mm-hmm. It's packed with papers. We see p- pictures there where the there was like a cutaway, and there was a newspaper packed inside of it that was from the seventies. Oh, is that what the point of that was? Right. I thought it was trying to compare the color of the guitar no. to newspaper. No. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's enough. Right, I, fa- I found the. Okay, you copy. read it. You read Up it. Up for sale is a vintage circa 1953 Melita custom built electric guitar. Uh, this thing is super cool and the epitome of 1950s forward thinking. It came out of Philadelphia a few years ago and was attributed to being built by either Sebastiano Johnny Melita, who is the designer of the Melita Bridge. So that is the bridge. It says, while we don't have documentation on this, the story makes sense. 
when you study the instrument. We'll start with the fact that the original Melita bridge found on this instrument includes the stupid rare original string mute, which we have only seen on a few other Melita bridges over the years. Uh, we're sure that Melita was in well with Gretsch at this point, which explains the early metal Gretsch knobs that lacked the G branding on the tops. Yeah, those are cool. I'm trying to scroll through so I can... They look like blank silver dollars. Yeah, yeah. That's the bridge... Uh, that's the knob style on the ba- that bass over there. Kind of. It's sort going, of. It's going for that vibe. Yeah, I, I think those knobs are smaller. Um, the Diarmin Dinosonic pickup... You called it a bass. Bass, yeah. Uh, Dinosonic pickup originally carried a pair of them as evidence under the non-original and non-working Hoffner oh. replacement. The Grover keys, uh, which were found on a number of Gretsch instruments. The Gretsch Association also makes sense when it comes to the two-piece neck construction and the shape of the neck heel and cap. The Philadelphia connection is further corroborated by the mid-1970s Philadelphia newspaper page that was found in one of the back cavities pictured and put back inside. So you got a little piece of Philadelphia in here. Tailpiece is homemade and a pretty impressive piece in itself. That's homemade. Uh, wow. The uh, aluminum nut appears to be an early homemade attempt at an adjustable nut. And along with the tailpiece is very cool. Uh, some comments about playability. It says the original brass frets do show wear and the instrument has a touch of relief in the neck, which does not have an adjustable truss rod. The action is low and comfortable. Uh, there is a decent amount of fret buzz in the fretboard and it could use a fret refret to be 100%. Since it's original, we have opted to leave it alone. Uh, body has a seam split near the tailpiece, uh, but currently does not require attention. So there's some loose binding on the front base side of the body near the tailpiece. The pots date to 1953. Only the Diarmid Dinosonic is working, and three of the knobs seem to all control the volume. Since it's such a historical piece, we have opted to leave this alone as well. Uh, so... That's where it gets into the story. Mr. Melita had this built and used it to test ideas over the years. The hole in the pit guard goes into the body as well, but nothing appears to have ever been wired up. The black plastic plate in the back and the routing underneath looks like a, to be a later attempt at weight relief as the guitar is solid maple. Wow. And it's a bit on the heavy side. The, solid maple? <laughs> the neck is chunky and has a slight V shape. Uh, as it heads towards the body, and the f- and, oh, and the neck is all is also maple, um, has a nice little flame to it on the back of the neck. If I, they ever find, have a good if, picture of it, if I knew nothing about this guitar, and I saw it hanging in a pawn shop window, I would be going inside the pawn shop to to look at it closely. Because it's so old and funky looking in a very specific way. In a way where if it was done just a little bit wrong, that this would look really stupid. But for some reason, it's done just right enough where to me it looks really well done. Yeah. So this is, uh, they're asking $5,000. They actually do admit that they do not have provenance. Right. Uh, There's a lot of speculation this there. This is a lot of speculation. But you know these have this has a number of parts that would make sense for... And the, the a time. 1950s Gretsch guitar right. uh, plus the Melita tailpiece. And I suppose the Melita connection is the fact that it's uh, that he was in Philadelphia. You know what? And the, it has a Philadelphia newspaper in it. You know what the only difference between this show is and uh, Antiques Roadshow? They make a lot more money than we do. Is that we're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we really don't know enough to be like coming up 
with like appraisals. Like neither of us can accurately appraise this. You know, uh, you know, in my professional opinion, Ryan. Uh-huh. Want to know what my professional opinion on this? I guitar? do want to know your professional opinion. How many proteins could you grow in this guitar? Uh, this guitar's sick. <laughs> That's my professional opinion. I like. I honestly feel like there's a decent chance, if there is any truth to the origins of this guitar, of the provenance of this guitar, mm-hmm. I think it's 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 easy to say that it could be worth $5,000. I think that they're, they're throwing some bait in the water to see what happens with that. I don't think they're in a rush to sell it at that price. Um, but I don't think it's wholly unreasonable if it really does have the connections that it All does right. have. And you know how expensive Gretsch guitars are and that there are... You know, especially vintage Gretches, there are there are serious fandom for the not just the guitars, but the components of the guitars. And if this does have a connection to the origin of components that people use and love on Gretsch guitars, I think there's enough there that if if this was legit and the right buyers were made aware of it, I think that I think that five grand would be an easy price. All right, man. Um, I'm looking at this thing. And I have this idea. But if none of that is true, maybe $1,500. I have this idea. Mm-hmm. Repaint this body mostly like a sand color, sandy brown. Is this super rich Steve or super richest Steve? Um, repaint like the arms, the up and the arms uh-huh. of, the, of the body green. Repaint, uh, like make these uh, knobs, put, make, paint them like orange. Make them look like little floating eggs. Headstock, Grogu. All Mandalorian right. guitar. Oh, it's okay. done. Little, All right. little All right. Grogu, his, his arms up in the air. Fine. He's like, you can yay, have your, I'm Grogu. His arms up in the air, hands outstretched. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> can Grogu be part of Star Trek now? Uh, <laughs> uh if I was going to, you know, if if I came into ownership of this guitar, the only thing I would change is that bridge pickup. I'd put something working in there. Oh, yeah. Something old and funky. Mm-hmm. Some sort of Filtertron, some sort of Gretchen you gotta, thing. You got to, unfortunately. Maybe a Moserite pickup. You got to find something old, and I think you got to find something American. Okay. Like, I think, like, you can't. Well, there weren't a ton of electric guitar companies in the world in the 50s, Steve. Yeah, so, but Moserite, was Moserite around the 50s? Uh, I'm not sure on that. They were definitely around in the 60s. I'm just saying, like, I, I'm just saying, I think... And they it, were definitely American. I think, yeah, no, I'm saying, I think if you were to throw, like, a Tyscale pickup in this, it would be a little bit of a travesty. Yeah, it would be outside of what... I guess there's some... This has some styling that would make it fit in the 70s just fine. Uh... But yeah, I'd want it at the very least a a decent representation of a PAF. Yeah, well, but I think you got. I mean, but I, think, I think you just got to go Gretsch. You got to find a Gretsch pickup cre- or a Armin pickup. Creatively and stylistically, I mean, that's to get it functional to put a PA from there. Right. To stylistically, conceptually, some sort of Gretschy Armin sort of thing. I mean, conceptually, stylistically, Seymour Duncan Invader. We're talking about fashion, baby. <laughs> I had a weird idea today that I want there to be another Austin Powers movie. Talking about fashion babies? 
I want there to be a new Austin Powers. Why? I think it's I think it's time. I think it's time. Still Michael Myers? Yeah. Mike Myers? Yeah. Is he, is he Mike Myers? He's Mike Myers. Michael Myers is the monster he, I, movie guy. He, I think he's both. I mean, I'm sure his real name is Michael Myers. I think you could call him Michael Myers and he would turn around and look at you like, yes. Turn around. We're off the rails. Then I get a little... so this is where the show really starts. Hey, man. Hey, what's new? <laughs> let's not let's do what's new. Let's do another ad. I don't have anything. Do you have something that's new? Uh, I ate a Big Mac for the first time last week. I ate two of them because it was a deal. Two Big Macs, 20 chicken nuggets for 18 bucks. It sounded like you had the cadence to go into a song. No. Two Big Macs, 20 chicken nuggets for 18 10, bucks. 18 bucks. Do, 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 do. That's their new jingle. Fries. Nothing new. All right. Keep on moving. Keep on moving. We're going to do this muff. A few people have sent this to me. To Did us. we never do this before? I. Th- it's an old ad, but it checks out. I don't know if we. I don't know if we ever did this before. Yeah. yeah uh, it's but it's a, definitely been around on the internet for a while. You know what this is, Ryan? What is this? It's a muffin a block. <laughs> it's been a. It's been a long damn day. One. Guys. You put your muff in that block. Two. You plug in the muff. Oh no. Three, you turn the knobs on the muff. I remember vaguely that this was some sort of like publicity project stunt. It might have been a YouTuber that did it. I don't know. Or maybe it was just like some someone's project that took off on Instagram. But I remember this. They want $500 for it. And I say there's not a lot of people things can do well on their on, on their own at home. All this says is big electromagnetic big muff pie and concrete block. This pedal is in excellent condition and works well. I think I believe that all of you can do this at home. If you really, really want this, you can go get yourself a big muff pie for under a hundred dollars, probably pretty easily on Craigslist on reverb. I'm sure there's variations out there that you can get for under a hundred dollars. You can go to the hardware store. Last I checked, a bag of concrete is like five to seven bucks. Apparently it weighed 15 pounds. Yeah, you guys can do this very easily at home for around a hundred bucks. So if you want this in your life, you can go bigger if you want. You get a whole bag of concrete, you could go way bigger, baby. I'm going to start saying baby more often. So this is from from 2018. It says when this was actually Mm -hmm. listed. Uh, here are some comments from the gear page. Here we go. These guys will go to any lengths to hide a circuit these days. (laughs) God bless you, commenter. (laughs) Oh, oh my gosh. That made it go down the wrong tube. I think you need to finish this. No. Oh, I'm sad to see this go. This was a good one. Oh, and Bristol Farms is closed, so we'll have to find another place to want to get another one. Used in the Spinal Tap Stonehenge sequence. Cut to scene of guitar player on ocean floor with concrete muff bound to foot. (laughs) Would be fun to send to EHX when the foot switch goes out someday. What's the weight restriction on airline baggage? 
Online clips should include Stone Free, Let There Be Rock, Two Rolling Stone, and any track by Concrete Wall. Okay, these jokes are better than the gear page deserves. The Cinderblock version has a much more open tone and stacks well. (laughs) Uh, I will like to play another brick in the wall. (laughs) All right. Uh, one more. There is one, one more that I thought was good. Is there a comedy section on the gear page? What is going on? Ready for one more. Good for stoner rock. Eh. Good for stoner rock. That's the end. I'm not going to go through. The I was, I was honestly expecting a, I've heard of heavy metal, but you know, like that sort of thing. I mean, <laughs> well, it is hardwired. <laughs> uh, okay. Some of those were really solid. Are we being rock rolled? The, the, okay, okay. The, the rest need a little bit of punching up. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, obviously, no one <laughs> Here should... Here we go. Hand ground new old stock aggregate from the finest Italian quarries. Painstakingly mixed at our workshop in Portland uh, with Portland cement and made in small, fair trade, gluten-free Portland organ manufacturing by a single craft person who signs each individual bag. It's a hipster joke. That is a hipster it's joke. It's good. Yeah. It's a good joke, guys. It's a good freaking joke. Uh, I'm over the whole like gluten All right, man. as a punchline we're thing. Just, uh, we're just filling in time here. And you, I'm severely, you know I just want you guys to know, I am severely gluten tolerant. I can handle it. I've, I've nothing against having gluten, but I think joking about gluten is old now. So I'm tired of it. What were you going to say, Steve? Sorry. Well, what I was going to say is this episode is brought to you by Chase Bliss mm. Audio. Makers of pedals like the Thermae that might be more creative than you are, but you won't know until you buy one. Might, Steve? I'd say it's definitely more creative than you are. I've seen your drawings. I had this idea the other day that I should just draw, like, you know, people do those, like, self-portrait. Like, oh, dude, I'm going to draw a self-portrait. I'm going to draw a self-portrait a day. Yeah, those kinds of idiots. Yeah. I was thinking that I should do that because my art is so bad that like maybe it will be good by the end, but it won't. I think it would be better. It w- I think it would be amusing. Here's I think it would be an interesting. It would be amusing for sure. And I would follow that Instagram account. I would follow, make it a TikTok. I don't care. But it would be, it would be like <laughs> this, Steve. It would be kind of like my trajectory on Wordle right now. Uh, it'd be like, oh, hey, here's this thing. Oh, I'm not so good at it. I'm, I'm trying harder. I'm, I'm really figuring out how to make this better. I'm going to scientifically figure out how to make this better. And you keep going up and up. And then you're like, ah, eh, that's good enough. Yeah, I'm kind of bored doing I'm kind of, oh, man, it's July. Am I still doing that? Uh, oh, it's September. November is here. Christmas is coming up. I got to make some gifts. <laughs> I'm going to do drawings of myself and give them out as gifts. Oh, my God. <laughs> that sounds like a terrible gift. <laughs> anyway, if your ideas are more creative than that, then maybe the Thermae is up your alley. We're, we've still been they in make, a sponsor they spot. They make pedals more creative than I am, but maybe uh, you're up to the challenge. Head on over to chaseblissaudio.com. Uh, this episode is also brought to you by Big Ear Pedals. Pizza pedal! It's a pizza pedal! I really hope by now the pizza pedal has gone. Like it's I all ho- sold out. I hope it's sold out because if it's not sold out, there's no justice in the world because this is a pedal that deserves to sell out. Yeah, it's he made rad. plenty of them. He, he's, I don't know if I'm supposed to say, but he made plenty of them. Uh, but it's still an amount that definitely could sell out if enough people care about pizza. It's a really great pedal. And every time I look at it, it makes me happy. 
And I went when the when we did the launch day, I went and watched a bunch of other people's videos and watching them play with it made me happy. And I think this pedal has made me more happy without me actually playing it than any <laughs> other pedal that I've ever encountered in my life. And there's something so special about that. And all it is is a, is a pedal that happens to be a triangle, which when do you see that? By the, just by that, it would be like, wow, that's different. It's also a photorealistic pizza. So you tell me if, you know, if there's any justice in the world, why hasn't this sold out if, if it has not sold out? But I believe that it should. I, if there's good in this world and art, true art is appreciated, this pedal should be sold out by the time this episode airs. Thank you, Big Ear. It really should have sold out by the time of the last episode. All right. Thanks to all our sponsors. We appreciate you all. And I love that we have a trifecta of pedal sponsors all at the same time right now. This last ad was sent by Greg Dodd. Uh, I forget which one it is. Here is your guitar repurposed into a wine rack. The guitar came to me with the headstock broken off. Holds three bottles and two glasses. Stands 49 inches high. Oh, man. You know you know how, like... Hold on. In, Hold like, on. theory, in, like, according to society, our culture at large, wine drinkers are thought of as sophisticated. Sure. Then what the fuck is this? Damn. <laughs> Like what the hell's really? What the hell's wrong with wine drinkers? Why is any of this? You don't like this? <laughs> it's Canadian. Don't, fi- don't zig on my Zach. It's on Canadian this. fifty dollars, which means it's like American, like three dollars. <laughs> no, it's probably like American. Like it is an Epiphone. It's probably it is, American, like thirty dollars. It is the you know the the Plymouth of Chrysler, which is better than you know. Some brand is better than a Daewoo. I don't know if that's true. Or do we, our Daewoo is great. I don't even know if they exist anymore. <laughs> um, I, I don't hate this. The Daewoo fans, please don't cancel me. I, I swear. I, I don't, don't know anything about. Daewoo. I don't hate this. You know what the problem with this is, is that I do not own a bottle of wine, let alone enough to necessitate a whole rack. It doesn't have to be wine, Steve. You could stick one of those in there. Um, this is, you can you can, yeah you can fit anything this, that'll fit in a round is, hole. Like if you were watching Law and Order Special Victims Unit, if there was a murder or another terrible crime, and evidence or interviews were being done on scene in like a modern art gallery, this is the thing that would be out, and Ice T would walk up and be up to it. He would walk up to it and be like. Oh, this is art. This is garbage. Like he had to have some sort of like line about like, oh, that's not art. I don't think that's art. Honky. Yeah. Honky. <laughs> Cracker. That's the thing he says, right? That's That was a joke we always made, but I never watched SVU. <laughs> so I don't really know. <laughs> no, we were saying that every time Ice-T talks to someone, it sounds like he's about to say honky or cracker afterwards. <laughs> and if you imagine that while you're watching the show. I mean, he's already really fun and funny just by being who he is and being the character that he plays. But you throw that in there and it gets extra. <laughs> so anyways, 
what we have here is an acoustic Epiphone that's had its headstock removed. Well, no, it, it was broken. Okay, it was broke. Yes, it broke off at some point. Um, they did the hard labor of cutting that broken part flat so they could fit this little two by four in place flush on that. Did it say neck. if the table that it's on is part of it? I don't think it is. It kind of, it does it have legs under it then? I I think I don't know how it's standing. Because I'm looking at this like the the table is a permanent part of it. <laughs> it would start- which makes it extra stupid. Do you agree with me? Like I like seeing it the way Steve saw it that the guitar is the item for sale and the the table legs are a separate thing just to hold it up for the photo. Like that seems more reasonable. Like the headstock thing is bonkers that's going on here that we haven't even described it. But the fact that it is sitting on like a nightstand sized like end table sort of thing that you would, you would normally put like a vase on mm-hmm. is sitting on it. And I personally believe it is permanently affixed to this. I think it is part of the build. It is part of the design. It says guitar repurposed into a wine rack. It does not say anything about the table. It stands 49 inches high. Okay. Wait. Get a tape measure. Shit. Yes, I'm telling you. Son of a bitch. There's tape measures on top of the, the red thing there. 49 inches high, Steve? All right, I'm going to measure your Starcaster. Okay. He's going to measure the Starcaster. It'll still probably be a little bit short, but it's got a long headstock on it. All right, I'll measure the bass. Measure, measure the ba- measure the bass guitar. All right, you guys can't see what's going on in the garage here. It's a garage. It's messy. So from butt end, don't go butt to nut. Go butt to head, head headstock. So from butt to headstock is forty five inches. Ah. Uh... They said it was 49. Oh, yeah, because the headstock is cut off. The okay. cut off. That's why I was going to Measure. Off. Okay, butt to nut, butt to nut. Is this the best episode we've ever done? It is. This is going to win an award. 30, about 39 inches. We don't have an acoustic guitar out. How tall is this table? Do you think this table is the same height as that table? No, that table's shorter. How tall do you think that table is? <laughs> we got 39 inches here. So unless this table that table is 10 inches tall, it doesn't include the freaking table. Alright, okay. It doesn't include the table. I think you're right. It doesn't because that yeah, table because would be. Look how look so for, if you assume Steve, get back on mic. Get back on mic, Steve. All right, I figured it out, right? So that is at the, is, that's where the nut is, right? That cross beam is where the nut is. Right. Because that dot, that's the third fret marker. No, I know the cross beam right? is at the nut. Yeah. So from we the- We haven't even talked about the cross beam yet. From the sat, no, wait, what the hell? But because from the saddle to the nut should be- From the windows to the wall. From the windows to the wall <laughs> should be uh, 25 inches. 25 and a half and maybe 24 and three quarters. So you're telling me, I think this includes a table. What the hell, Canada? (laughs) I quit this show. (laughs) 
<laughs> it is it is infinitely more ridiculous when the table is part of it, right? But how can that table be that small? There's small tables out there. That small? There's tables. Where's the, you know what I need in this picture? I need a freaking banana for size. Steve, are you high? I wish. <laughs> this episode what? would be a lot better if I was. We're a couple away from the 420 episode. I'm I just know, saying. I know. This is episode 417. <laughs> We're getting close. I, I'm just saying our episode count is getting pretty high, guys. Um, so we haven't even described this for the audio listeners yet. If, hopefully they've already clicked on the, the, the imager link. So we have an acoustic guitar. Headstock is gone. That's been established. It's on a small table. We assume permanently affixed. Where the headstock used to be, there is a horizontal beam spreading out like the arms of a crucifix. Wow. With slots cut in it. To hold two wine glasses upside down. I mean, I think that's a. I think it's. I think that's a nice touch. It's a little ridiculous. I think it's a little ridiculous. Is how I describe it. But if the table isn't included visually, it would blend into the background a little easier. Then the guitar has a wine bottle shoved into the sound hole, the naturally occurring, the way nature and God intended it, sound hole in the middle of the guitar. There's just a wine bottle shoved in it. And then there are two more holes of different sizes in the sound hole, slightly smaller, drilled into the armrest area and the lower bout, horizontal from each other, with additional wine bottles sticking out. And then it is possibly permanently affixed to a small end table, like next to a couch sort of table sort of situation that is of its own unique style. This calls for Jinsky. Steve, you have to go home at some point. It's only nine o'clock. I guess so. You can hang out and, and talk me through the last episode of Robert Fett. <laughs> All right. I got this idea. There's just, there's too much going on with this guitar. I got this idea. Okay. Hear me out. What's the big, what's the big craze? From like five years ago. Actually, Ibanez recently released one of these. I have no idea where you're going with Headless this. guitars. Oh, okay. Head <laughs> this guy. I thought you meant in like furniture or fashion or style this guy, or culture. This person has already done the work. You buy this for 50 Canadian dollars, which we've established is like 12 US dollars. You go out, you buy a... Uh, a locking whatever thing that they put on the headstock of headless guitars. I want to check your math real quick on that conversion. It's not. I think it's like, I think it is like maybe 30 or 35 bucks. No, I just checked. I just checked the exchange rate. How much is it? US 50. No, it's Canadian 50. Oh, Canadian I'm, 50. I'm uh, saying it's 35 US. The exchange, the exchange rate for, for 50 Canadian uh -huh. um, is uh two, Half gallons of maple syrup <laughs> and, a, and a pine cone dipped in honey. Not bad. Hate you. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it, I'd say. Jeez, man. <laughs> um, I'm saying you convert this into headless acoustic. You got a real cheap headless acoustic. And then you've got two spots to put uh, automotive speakers. <laughs> you got one spot for your dope bag and turn you know, it. Turn it. Oh, you could put your weed in there. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, you know what those holes are for? Tone. That's for, where the tone comes out. For when you drop your pick, you can get it out easier. And you're gonna put you're gonna put tuners behind the bridge on this. You know, you know what, you know what? Uh, those... I like that. I also got serious about Steve's proposal <laughs> to make know, it a headless guitar. You know what the, what you oh, thought... Steve, have you really thought this through, Steve? Are you, you hold no, on. Steve? Have you considered have you considered the the problems with your plan to turn this back into a functioning guitar? I've, I've got a good idea. Listen, those holes, you leave the wine bottles there. In the middle of your open mic, you're like, hold on, I gotta take a break, and you just open up the wine no, bottle. I'm serious, like, this this is art. Like it's hideous, it's grotesque, it is upsetting to me. And in that way, now that I've said those things, this is a highly impactful piece of artwork. Like it's making me feel things that I haven't felt in that combination. Very often in my life, if this is special, this needs to be preserved. I, as a professional appraiser on 60 Cycle Hum Guitar Roadshow Antiques Bonanza, I am valuing this guitar at $50,000. Little chest animation, it opens up, gold is shooting out $50,000. All right, this song was sent by Kurt Ballou. He says, Steve, play my track. I would love to have my track used in an outro of the podcast. I wrote slash performed this song using a tone bender called Afro Man built by Money Man Pillows, Money Man Pedals, and a Joyo Octopedal. Wait, hold on. I just got a real weird email. Oh, I just dumped your Jinsky into my... What the heck? Looks very personal. It is pretty personal. All right, this is from Kirk Below. Baloo? I wrote and performed this song using a tone bender called Afro Man, built by Money Man Pedals and a Joyo Octopedal. Money Man is M-U-N-N-Y-M-A-N. Downloading. What do you think, Steve? Do you think the song is going to be good or bad? I think it's going to be great.
That was, that was excellent. That's fun. That was very, very good. Uh, like, I could imagine that song being played on the radio in the 90s mm. as some sort of like, oh, hey, we uh, we dug up this old ska, this very early ska recording that oh, from someone yeah, no yeah, one yeah. ever heard of. And we've dug it up and we've resurrected it. And like, oh, it's getting like kind of like semi-ironic airplay on the local college alt-rock station sort of vibe to it. Like, it feels like this could be like proto-special sort of thing, you know? No, for sure. Like it, and the, but they're like specials plus Frank Zappa. Oh, I see what you're saying. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Do you get where I'm coming from from my from my heart? I think that's what that is to me. I'm gonna say it right now. This episode just got voted top guitar podcast episode of the year we did it guys are we in the podcast awards hosted by angela kinsey stay grounded